I do want to you know, thank the Lord for allowing me to be here this morning. You know, there was uh, a time in my life when I would never darken the doors of a church, uh, a time whenever I thought of church as taking up my day off. <laughs> I believe we've all been there every now and then. That's my only day off, and now i got to go to church. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning, I don't got to go. I get to go, and I enjoy it this morning. Amen. I've enjoyed everything that's taken place from the rest home to the Sunday school ministry uh, to the main service, to the singing, to the choir, the specials, everything has just been wonderful. And I appreciate the opportunity to stand behind this pulpit and preach. Uh, you know, I love our preacher and I, I love to hear him preach. Amen. There's so much knowledge that he gives out every single service. And I don't think we can get it all in the service. You got to go back sometimes and watch the live stream to, to kind of get it all again. And so many other people in here that God has blessed to be able to preach his word. And I, I'm just excited to watch how God's growing his church and using his people. Amen. I'm excited to be here this morning. I'm just trying to get rid of some nervousness, if you haven't noticed yet. I'm just going to talk for just a minute, amen? Uh, but I, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited every time I get to open God's Word and preach and teach unto you what God's already dealt with me about. Uh, and that's, that's an amazing thing. And I've heard preachers say it throughout the years and how true that is sometimes. Uh, God will give us a message, and it's not necessarily for the people yet. It's for the preacher. And then once we get a hold of that message, then we're able to give it out unto others. Uh, so I'm, exci I'm excited this morning to preach a good message, uh, a message the Lord laid on my heart. Uh, the moment that, that I knew I was going to be preaching this morning, I, I began to just think about uh, some different verses of Scripture and where I've been in my Sunday school class, where we've been preaching and teaching at the rest home, uh, and, and I could not get away from Luke 15. There's so much uh, just within these verses that we'll read this morning. There's so much in here. Our, I know our youth, are, they're rolling their eyes. I see some of them. They're like, Luke 15 again? Here we are. I know this is week six. Amen. You just hang on with me. There's so much in here to get out. God's word is not dead. It's alive, and every time you go to it, it's a well of springing up water that just refreshes you, and it quenches your thirst, but it makes you want to go and dive in even deeper and swim deeper in the waters, amen? Uh, so I want to preach this morning. You see the title there, I Will Arise. If you can stand, if you would stand uh, for the, the reading of the scripture here, Luke 15, uh, beginning in verse number 11, and we'll work our way down through verse 24, and we'll stop there uh, for the sake of time, and then we'll just jump right into it uh, this morning. Luke 15, beginning in verse number 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said, said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. And when he and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine. And he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he, had come, and when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger." I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be 
Mary. I'm interested in the transitional verse in this story. He says, I will arise. And that verse stuck out to me teaching my Sunday school class. I think I told him like three weeks ago, I said, you might be hearing a message on that one soon because that just hit me. It's just sometimes, if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. If you teach or preach and sometimes, sometimes you just read God's word and the words just jump off the page and slap you right in the face and say, hey, 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 listen up. Here's what I want you to get. And that's what happened. I will arise. I want to preach on that subject this morning, and let's pray. We'll pray together, and you can, be, you can go ahead and be seated. I'll pray, and then we'll just jump right into it. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, so much for your many blessings. God, we thank you once again for allowing us to be here, Lord. What a privilege it is to be in your house, and God, we thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here in this facility, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the music that's already been played and sung. Lord, we thank you for the fellowship that has already taken place, and God, I pray, Lord, that all that has prepared our hearts for the preaching of your word now. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just help each one of us to tune our ears in and tune our hearts and our minds unto your word, Lord, as it is preached. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us glean something from your word this morning, Lord. I I pray, Lord, that you would help me to give it across to the people as you've given it to me several weeks ago, Lord. I pray that you would help me, Lord, preach your word this morning with power. And then, Lord, the congregation will be receptive unto your word, Lord. May your word fall this morning on fertile ground and take root this morning morning. God, may it not just be another sermon that we sit through and we just go through the motions of church, but Lord, let today be a day of transformation where we uh, tune in to the things that you have for us. And God, no doubt, uh, many needs and many wants and many desires and many burdens on our hearts this morning, but we're so thankful that you know every single one and you can work in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you'd help me now give your message to your people I love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' precious name, we do pray. Amen and amen. Luke 15 is a very familiar story when we get to, uh, especially this portion of Scripture. It is very, very familiar territory, and it has once been said uh, that familiar territory in the Bible is a dangerous ground because it is so familiar that we tune out to the little details that God has laid out for us. And with the Lord's help this morning, I want to bring the message of I will arise. And, and I, I began to think about the story, uh, the situations, the predicaments that the young man got himself in and how he got himself out. And the story as a whole, not necessarily from a singular point perspective of the young man or the father or the elder brother or the servants. And although we could go to each one of those and glean so much from this story of how they act and how they react to the situation and we'll pull some of that out, no doubt, as we work our way through. But I began to to think about our generation that even we live in today. And Preacher alluded to this just the other week as he was preaching. He he made mention of the do-it-yourself generation, right? And I believe that's where we are. We really truly are in this do-it-yourself, this DIY generation, right? I mean, where we're all the time making something. How many crafters do I have in here? You make things, you craft things. Don't be ashamed to raise your hand. I got two of them up, amen? I like to make things. I like to, to make old things look new and transform things and, and make them look different. And it's a wonderful thing. And I be, But I began to think about this. If we're not careful, and let's see if you can relate to this do-it-yourself generation. I read this quote and how true it is, all right? We could buy some something that we see in Hobby Lobby for $20 or Michael's or, or Kohl's or Walmart or whatever, but why would we spend $20 on it when we can make it ourselves for $50 in only three days worth of hard labor? <laughs> Some of y'all relating to that, amen. I ain't buying that. I can make that. And in the end, $50 later in three days of stress, you finally completed the project. And then you got the other person on the other side, the other spouse, whether husband or wife, amen. And they say, we should have just bought it three days ago and been done. <laughs> but it's that do-it-yourself mentality, right? And even, even as I was just looking over my notes and just getting ready to get up here this morning, I began to think about that and, and how we breed that into our children at a young age. And don't get me wrong, we want our children to do things on their own, but we need to teach them as well. And this is what the Lord just spoke to my heart about is, is listen, we need to also teach them it's okay to ask for help. Amen. We want them to do things on their own, but not to be afraid to come and ask for help. As many of us are guilty of not asking for help, and we just labor and stress and cause so much woe and toil in our own lives because we don't want to ask for help. 
a little thing of pride jumps on our back and says, you don't need help. You got this yourself. In correlation right with this story, I believe that's kind of where we're running. And we'll pull a few things out here. Other than the Good Samaritan, this is the story of the prodigal son that has got to be one of the most popular stories told from the New Testament. And I believe the reasoning behind that is because we can all relate. In one circumstance or another, or in one situation or another, somewhere in this story, we can place ourselves, whether it be in our past reactions to things or our past actions or even current situations, we can look at this story and go, I can relate to that. Whether you're on the father's side or the older brother's side or even the younger son who goes and makes the mistakes, one way or another, we can relate to this story. And Jesus was so great about telling stories that are very relatable to a lot of people. And in this story, we see this, and, and, and this is what makes it so beloved because we can put ourselves there and say, been there, done that. Got a t-shirt and I ain't going back, amen? Uh, we've all been through those, and we've all been in a position for mercy and grace and forgiveness and restoration from our heavenly Father. We've all put ourselves in those positions at some point in our life. And the basis of this story is well known. We have a teenage young son here, the youngest of the family, making what appears to be a hasty life decision. It's a very hasty life decision of leaving the nest and flying free and doing it on his own, making his, his own way. And that's where we're going to jump right in this morning. So take your Bibles and look at them in verse number 11, Luke chapter 15 and verse number 11. We see right out the gate, we'll see here the decision that was made. We see the decision. Verse number 11, and, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided them, and he divided unto them his living. Verse number 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And we see there as he journeys off into the far country, we begin to wonder why the decision. We don't necessarily have all the details, the background of the story. We do know there is a young man, there is an elder brother, and the younger comes to his father, and at some point he has finally made up his mind that he's ready to go out on his own, but not on his own technically because he wants what's coming to him from his father. He's asking, if you would, for his inheritance early, for his departing early, earlier. He says, hey, uh, can I go ahead and get what's coming to me so that way I can enjoy my life? right now? Can I take what's coming to me? And I want it now. I want to take it and I want to go. But this decision to leave, I began to ponder about the decision to leave. Why the decision to leave? Why did this young man all of a sudden up and decide, hey, dad, I want what's mine. I want what's coming to me and I'm getting out of here. What caused him to get to that decision? So then I began to ponder and began to think about these things that, that possibly, now we don't know, we can speculate, but in our own lives, we can apply these, these speculations, okay? Because none of us make a decision very hastily. It's been thought of somewhere along the lines, and you've had influences somewhere along the lines to make thus said decision. Okay, now with those influences, how did those influences come in? It could be, I thought about this, it could be advice from friends. He could have had friends that were his age that, that maybe they had journeyed out to this far country and man, they had so much fun and there's so much excitement that's out there, so much, so much going on, there's so much to do. Hey, you don't have to worry about your dad's fields no more and you can just go out and enjoy life and man, we're having a blast. It could be the influence of friends that caused him to make this decision. Once again, we're speculating, but I believe the speculations may be right on track because we can think about this. From our own perspective, have you ever heard this statement in conversation with a friend? Well, if I were you, I, everybody in here has heard that statement. If I were you, well, you know, if I were you, here's the problem and the flaw with that statement. They are not you. Amen. Young people, can I say this again? If someone were to come to you and say, well, if I were you, uh, adults in here, if someone comes to you and says, well, if I were you, here's the thing, be very careful of that counsel because here they are. Listen, they are not you. 
and they do not have to answer for the decisions that you make. Let that sink in, young people. If I were you, I would do this and this. And you go off and make this and this decision following the advice of a friend. You can't point back, well, I only done it because so-and-so told me to. Well, listen, they're not going to be punished for the, the mistakes that you make. You will. So there's a flaw in that statement, if I were you, because they're not you. And remember, your decision will not affect them, but you and you alone. And you will have to deal with the consequences from that decision, not them. So be very careful of your advice. And can I pause right here and just interject a few verses as well? Be careful where you get your advice from. The Bible's very clear to tell us many things about getting advice and seeking counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen: where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. In Proverbs 19, 20, hear counsel and receive instruction that thou mayest be wise in thy latter end. Proverbs 24, verse 6, be for by wise counsel shalt thou make, shall thou make war and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. And let me leave you with one more, Ephesians 4, 29. And hang on with me. For let no corrupt communication proceedeth out of your mouth, but for that which is good for the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the ears. Now pause with that one because you say, wait a minute, Brother Brandon, how does that, how does that help me with advice from others? Because we take this verse and a lot of times we automatically apply it to ourselves and that is good to do so and right to do so. Let no corrupt communication come out of our mouths, but also those in which you seek advice from, let them reflect that same thing as well. Let them also reflect no, no, no corrupt communication proceeding out of their mouth, but that which is good for edifying. We ought to be very careful of who we seek advice from, very careful of who we heed that advice from. You know, so can I say this right here? Sometimes seeking advice about a situation from a friend may not be the best idea. Hold on and think about it with me. Because your friends want the best for you. And by that, they want to see you happy. No friend wants to see their friend unhappy. If you do, you got a problem, amen? Think about it. No friend in here wants to see their friend unhappy. And sometimes if we're not careful, we may begin to go to our friend and we lay out a situation, a, a probable cause, a, a what do you think situation, a what if situation, if you would. And we lay that out for our friends. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, that friend may side with us just to make us happy. But we don't need a bunch of yes men in our closet of counsels. Let me share a verse with you right quick. Proverbs 27, verse number six. Listen very closely, closely to this word right here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. That hurts a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Faithful are the wounds of a friend. See, sometimes our friends' answers may not always line up with our answers, but they may be what God's trying to get to you through that friend. Seek wise counsel. Our, our friends' answers may not always line up. They may, they may go with us just to make us happy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. And what, that, what the Bible's telling us here, that faithful are those wounds. Faithful is that, that friend who is able to tell us the truth. And yes, while it hurts when our friend tells us the truth sometimes, it's good for us. As long as it lines up with the word of God and everything is in his will, Right? So we see that maybe this decision was made in haste because of a friend. Maybe it was friendly influence that could have made this decision. I also thought about this. It could have been just the, the, the lure of sin and of freedom from under the controlling hand of the Father. It could be sin in itself. And we all know that the devil in the world is great about making sin look so great and so profitable and so enjoyable, but in the end, leaving us in destruction and in woe and in misery. And that's what the world and the devil do. They paint beautiful pictures of sin. They make alcohol seem like, oh, everybody's having a great time. And, oh, it's wonderful. Just get with your friends and, and have some alcohol. And you'll have a great life. Look at on the commercials. Everyone's smiling. Everyone's happy. But they don't show you the rest of that evening. They don't show you the destruction that comes forth. They don't show you the drunk driving that has killed innocent families along the way because, oh, it was so fun in the moment. They don't show you and they don't paint the full picture. They just paint the grass very much greener on the other side when it's truly not. It is a snare. It is a pit. It is a fall. 
That's what the world and devil is great about doing, painting sin up. Maybe it was sin that caused this young man, that lure of sin, that lure of Las Vegas, if you would, in the United States, that likes and the city that never sleeps and the potential to even get rich. Hogwash, amen. The house always wins and you always go home broke. I'll say that one again, amen. <laughs> Hang on with me. The TV in our home and the phones in our pocket is one of the easiest ways for the devil to begin to set those snares and those traps in our own lives, to begin to distract us from the things that God has laid out for us. And if we're not careful, we'll look at those and we'll fall into those snares and we'll begin to follow after those wants of our own hearts that are not necessarily godly. Maybe not even not necessarily wrong, but it's pulling us away from what God has planned for us. It's a distraction, if you would. So we see the decision. We're not sure how he came to this decision, but yet this young man has come to a decision. He said, Father, I want what's coming to me, and I want it now. Is it but a few days as he gathers everything together? Think about that for just a moment. It took him a little bit to gather, gather up all the stuff, together, get it all together. So, Father, which, 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 uh, which, what's all mine over here in the stable? Okay, that one's mine, that one's mine. All right, we need to mark that one, mark that one, mark that one. Now, what about over here? What's all over here? And it took him a few days to get everything together, but we see here uh, in verse number 13, not many days after the younger, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there he wasted his substance with riotous living. I want to take you next to the devastation that followed his decision. Because listen, you, every decision you make will have a consequence. That's cut and dry, okay? Whether it be good or bad, the decisions that you make in life will have a consequence. You can control the decisions, but a lot of times you cannot control the consequences that come. Those that follow those decisions, you cannot control a lot of times. And we see this young man here who, who thinks he's going to go out into the world and he's going to go off into a far country, mind you, and he's going to live it up. He's going to live the lifestyle that he's always wanted. He's going to do it all on himself. He's going to leave everything behind. Dad, I want what's coming to me and I'm out of here. And as he gathers everything together, now I want you to see the devastation that comes forth. Beginning in verse number 13, and not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a, to a citizen of that country and he sent him into the fields to feed the swine, verse 16. And he would have fainted, he would have died, he would have passed off the scene if he had not filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. Catch the destruction in the downward spiral as he leaves the father's house, and now I remind you once again, this young man made his own decision to leave, and he made his own decision to spend his own inheritance. And we see this word riotous here, and it's a word we don't really use in this day in our vocabulary, but this word riotous here means a wild, abandoned, reckless manner. And we see that's exactly what he did. He, he, he took everything that he had and he went out into the far country and he spent all as fast as he could. He, he couldn't wait to get out there. He spared probably no expense on the travel down. Every place that he stopped, he got the best of the best. He stopped and got the best of the best meals and the, the best of the best rooms. And why not? He had the money to do so, right? So think about this story. Think about the devastation that is slowly unwinding here as he leaves the father house, it's easy to leave when he has the provisions to get to the far country. He's still riding the coattails of the father's provisions all the way out until the far country. So it's easy for him to make this transition. It's easy for him to make this trip down there. How many of you have ever been on vacation? Every hand in here, right, it's okay. Raise your hands, it's okay. How many of you have ever been on vacation on a budget? <laughs> yes, amen. There's plenty of you. A budget. You budget it out. 
we got X amount of money to spend on this vacation and we cannot spend any more, as my wife would tell me. We cannot, can I say that again? We cannot spend any more than this. And you're like, honey, we got it. We can do it. We can do it, amen. We can plan it out and we can make it happen. I thought about this, uh, you know, but sometimes if you're not careful in the midst of that budgeted vacation, what always happens You spend more than you planned on spending. But why? You had a budget. You had everything planned out. You knew where you were going. You knew where you were going to stop. You knew where you were going to stay. You knew the places that you were going to go, the experiences that you were going to take in, and you had a budget. What happened? You get caught up in the activities that are around you, and you begin to spend. Let me help you out. Okay, how many of you love arcades? There's a few of you out here. Yes, we need to get together, amen? Listen, all right, here's an arcade. Me and my wife, we love arcades. I love claw machines. I love arcades. I mean, you know, hit the jackpot, thousands of tickets come out. I love it, right? I think this is like the closest thing we can get to Christian gambling. (laughs) I mean, we're supposed to be good stewards of our money. We're not gonna go to the casino, but we're gonna go hit the arcade up. I mean, but I just love arcades. I love, I love the challenge of trying to win that prize or do that thing or hit that jackpot, right? We all love that. And you can budget yourself and budget yourself, and it's very easy to go in there and spend 100 bucks very quickly in an arcade. Very easily, especially when you got four kids. Amen. And you spend that $100 very quickly and you're so excited and you're playing all the games and you're hitting jackpots over here. The kids are winning stuffed animals out of the claw machines over here. And here you are at the end of that day and you have thousands of tickets and you trade them all in for a little stuffed teddy bear. (laughs) Woohoo! Now hang on with me. In the moment, you were having a blast. In that moment when you're playing those games and you're putting the tokens in and pulling the big levers, whoa, this is so much fun. Kids are like, hey, can I go play this? Hey, can I go play this? And you're running around everywhere with the kids and you run over here and you're doing this and you're, hit the jackpot over here, kids, get the tickets, you know, and you're running over here. Kids, we got, we got hit the jackpot over here. Mom's over there playing, let's go get mom. She's got tickets left, you know, and we're going around. And in that moment, you don't think about how much money you're spending. In that moment, you're enjoying it. You're having a blast. But regret sets in the moment you get the teddy bear and you walk out and go, how much did we spend? How much? How much did you spend? No, how much? Did I, no, don't, don't ask me how much I spent. How much did you spend? That regret, the regret and the remorse begins to set in afterward, right? But in the moment, you can care less. You're having a fun. You're having a blast. This young man made the decision to take the father's provisions and go out into the far country and began to waste in riotous living with reckless abandonment, meaning not caring and not planning for what's going to happen when daddy's money dries up. What's going to happen when the bank account hits zero? What's going to happen? He didn't plan for none of that. And we see this laid out for us. And and we've all been in in those situations when when we get caught up in the moment and we spend more than what we really realize. And then afterward, the regret sets in. It's like, how much did we spend? And because we got caught up in that what is pleasing now situation. But now let's see what happens when the young man breaks his attachment from the father. And we see in verse number 14, and 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 when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land. And he began to be in want. The one who didn't need anything in the beginning, the one who had everything from the father, had everything that he ever needed, all the provisions were there. He got what was coming to him in advance, but he went out and wasted it. And now we see a famine comes in that land. And now this young man who spared no expense is now looking for help because he has spent all himself. Easy come and easy go, and then a reality check sets in. A famine comes and he, is now has no, he, has, he now has no money to buy food. Luke 15, 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he, sent, and he, the citizen of the country, sent him into the fields to feed nothing else but the swine. 
When we break our attachment with God, you will end up attached to another. Let me say that statement one more time. When we break our attachment with God, when you depart from the Father, you will have to join yourself up with another. And that attachment will be a slavery, not a sonship anymore. It, this attachment, when you break away from the Father, if you're not careful, it could be drugs or alcohol. This attachment could be even a hobby that distracts you from serving the Lord and doing what you once were called to do. It may be part of television distracting your time from studying God's word, from praying and reading your Bible like you used to. It may be a computer that distracts you with the lure of, of sin that is right there at your fingertips with just one click away. It may be our PlayStation or Xbox teenagers that draws us away into this fleeting world, pulls us away from the Father's provisions. Whether this attachment may be crude or refined, if we break loose from God, we will be attracted to another. And in the end, whether crude or refined, this alien attachment will send us to the swine troughs. Verse 16, and he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. Can I make the statement here that you and I were made to be filled with God? Let me say this one more time, and I want this to sink in. That you and I were made to be filled with God, not the filth of this world. And if we run from him and we take our little earthly inheritance of time and of money and of energy and we use it to attach ourselves to other things that other than God, it won't matter whether we're worth $9 billion or left homeless, our future will be with the swine, for, swine food for all of eternity. And that is the misery and the destruction and the devastation that Jesus is describing here. Once this young man broke his attachment from the father, he broke his attachment from the provision, he broke his attachment from the protection. He broke his attachment from the father leaving. He was easy for him to go to the far country on the provisions of the father. But when the provisions run out, that's when trouble sets in. Now he has to join himself up to a citizen of that country. He now is looking around for help. Somebody find me a job. Somebody help me. Hey, do you got any food? Hey, do you got anything? And no Bible says no man, no man helped. He had no one. He was looking and searching. He kept no records. He saved no receipts, nor did he make any investments or saving plans. He spared himself nothing, refrained from nothing, only to end up with nothing. Everything wasted, all of it gone. And it's a sad state of affairs to be so far from home, alone, broke with nothing but the clothes on your back, but hopefully maybe just a shred of dignity still left. Someone once said, willful waste brings willful want. And it's not until you pick up the last crumb to eat that you realize how hungry you are with no remaining means to obtain food for nourishment. The boy hires himself out to a local farmer to feed, of all things, the swine. What an insulting job. You know, a Jewish person, a Jewish person considered swine to be unclean. And now we see he degraded himself to the level of the swine and became desperate enough to consider joining them in their feast of the husk and the slop. This is where this young man is. Why? Because of the decisions that he made. Whether it was influenced by friends or the lure of sin, regardless of that, he has made his decisions. And now he is dealing with the consequences of those decisions. We're halfway home. Hang on with me, all right? We're going to kick it. We have to kick it in high gear. I want you to see this. And this is the point I really want to drive home. Now we see the declaration. The declaration. Hang on with me, all right? Look at verse number 17. Luke 15 and verse number 17. And when he came to himself. Where is this point at? This point is he is done. He is finished. He has nothing left. He is literally getting ready to eat his meal from the trough with the pigs. And now this point in his life, the lowest of the lows that he has probably ever experienced because he had everything at the father's house, but when he leaves the father's house, he loses everything. 
And now he is realizing where he is. And this is the pivotal point. This is the moment of transformation. This is the moment when reality strikes in of what he had. Look at it with me in verse 17. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise. I will arise and go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose in verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love verse number 20. And he arose. He said, I will arise. He makes his statement. He makes his declaration. And in verse number 20, he says, and he does what he says he's going to do. And he arose. Turn to the person beside you and say, he's not going to stay there. Tell him. Turn to the person beside you and say, he ain't staying in the pig pen no longer. Turn to the person beside you and say, hey, he ain't staying in the slop no more. Hang on with me. The story's getting ready to take a turn for the better. Hey, listen to his declaration. I will arise, he says, and go to my father. Because he realized some things that he had back at the father's house. Listen, and the beauty of the moment in verse number 18, his epiphany invokes the response, I will arise and go to my father. This profound statement signifies a change of mind and a change of direction in his heart and soul. He knows in whom he should return to. This is the turning moment within the story that should have us all on edge, cheering and rooting him on. Yes, get out of there. Yes, get out of there. Yes, you made some bad decisions. Oh, but boy, oh boy, you're on the right track now. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, you went and spent all. Yes, you wasted all that money, but you're on the right track now, son. Get back to the Father's house. Get back to the Father's house where you had everything, where you had provision, where you had protection, where you were not in want, where you had everything everything. Oh, it's time for him to turn around. And here he goes. I will arise. And the Greek, ver- the Greek verb arise is the same word. I love this. Study it out. It's an amazing thing. The Greek verb arise is the same word used in regards to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus arose from the dead. And here the prodigal son will arise from the choices that he made that were leading him towards eternal death apart from his father. God is offering us this morning the same resurrection no matter what you're dealing with, no matter where you are and the decisions that you have made, you too can can arise from those situations. We all make mistakes in life. And it's okay to admit that. Swallow our pride and say, I messed up. I've done wrong. That's what this young man did. Notice his response. When he comes to himself, he looks and he says this declaration, not even nobody else around but him and the pigs. And he says, I will arise and I will go to my father's house. He says what? I have sinned against heaven and against my father. Notice the repentance. I love this. Notice the repentance comes not horizontal first, but it starts vertically. You hit on this several weeks ago, brother. You talked about that. Brother Terry preached many, about a month or so ago. I can't remember when, but he, he taught on that. That forgiveness. He starts upward. I have sinned against heaven. I have messed up. I've messed up. I've made some bad decisions. And then he comes, he couples that with, Father, forgive me. First it's heaven upwardly, then it's horizontally. It's vertically, and then it's horizontally. We see the realization and the declaration made. And I love this declaration because what this does and what Jesus is trying to get across to us, that no matter where we are in life, We will eventually mess up. We make mistakes, and it's okay to make mistakes as long as we get right 
And then we get right. And then we arise from our situations. And we don't stay down in the muck. And we don't stay down in the mire. It's time for us when we falter not to just wallow in our own pity and misery. But it's time for us to pull up our britches and say, God, I messed up. Forgive me, God. And then you go to the person that you have wronged and say, forgive me because I messed up. And here's the thing. You begin to arise out of the situation that you once were in. It's a beautiful story of forgiveness. (laughs) It's a beautiful picture of forgiveness of our Heavenly Father. It's a beautiful picture that nobody's too far gone. It's a beautiful picture that's laid out for you and I that no one is too far gone. There are critics on every hand when we make decisions and we mess up in life and we may fall into sin and we're all susceptible to falter in our lives. But listen to me, and there are those that may come by and say, well, they're just getting what they deserve. They put themselves in that situation. Although that may be your first thought, that should not be your last thought. Your last thought ought to be, I'm gonna pray for them because I don't wanna see them stay there. I want to see them get up. I want to see them rise again. I don't want to see them laying down with the pigs in the slot. I want to see them rise up and do something for God. That should be our last thought. This young man realized something. And he began to arise. There's no drunk too far gone. There's no drug addict too strung out. There's no thief too bad. And there's no sinner too lost that Jesus won't save today. I don't know where you are in your life. I know my life, but I don't know yours. You may be dealing with something that's holding you down and got you bound up and got you chained to this world and holding you back. And you may have got yourself into some bad decisions in life, and that's okay But don't stay there. Don't stay in the pity. Don't stay in the misery. Don't stay in that agony. Don't stay there. Arise from that situation like this young man said. I will arise. So can you today arise from your situation. Jesus is still in the saving business. Look back in your Bible there in Luke 15 and beginning in verse number three. I'll remind you of this parable that he uses as well. And he spake this parable unto them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth he not leave the 90 and nine in the wilderness and go after that one which was lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and his neighbors saying unto them, rejoice with me. For I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you likewise, joy shall be in heaven over that one sinner that repenteth. Over that one sinner that repenteth. Over that one sinner that repenteth. This young man began to get right upwardly before he even went to the father's house. That one sinner that repenteth. Moreover, the 90 and 9 just persons which need no repentance. Notice this young man's repentance once again in 18 and 19. I will arise and go to my father. I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. His repentance is first to heaven and then to his father. This is true repentance. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Who made the decision to leave his father's house? He did. Who made the decision to spend all of, his, all of his inheritance riotously? He did. Who made the declaration, I will arise? And so can you today. If you're there now, decide in this very moment that you will not stay in that valley of discouragement. Decide right now that you are tired of the misery, you're tired of the mockery, and you're tired of the miry, and that you will arise. Because God will help you. Here we go. Number four, the discovery. We're done. I've got to be done. The discovery. Verse number 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And for the sake of time, I'll stop reading right there, but we we see what the boy discovers when he comes home. Imagine, imagine him being in the the pig pen, feeding the pigs and eating the husk thereof, and and he's not sure what the father's going to say. And he declares unto himself, I will arise. I'm tired of living like this. I'm tired of looking over my shoulder and being in want and not having enough food and not having enough 
enough provisions. I'm tired of living this way. He says, I will arise. He makes the declaration over here and he begins the journey back home. May I remind you the journey to the far country was far easier because he had the father's provision. Now he's journeying back with nothing. The journey back is always gonna be a lot harder, but let me show you how rewarding it will be. The journey back, and as he's making this journey back, I wonder if he's contemplating in his head, Brother Mike. I wonder, I wonder, Brother Mike, if he contemplated how many times, will, the, will my dad even accept me back? Will he even let me back in the house? Will, will he even let me on the grounds? Well, what, what's he going to say? What's, what's the servants going to say? What is, what is everyone else going to say? Notice that does not deter him from continuing on because he's already made the declaration, I will arise. And once he arises, he does not look back to the mistakes and let them hold him back from moving forward and getting back to the father's house. Mm, get this, look at it with me. Verse number 20, and he came and he arose and came to his father, but yet when he was a great way off, notice the details. We're done here. I got to be done. I'll fast forward. Notice these details. He arose and he come, he arose and he came to his father's, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him. Meaning that the father has never once stopped looking. The moment the departed happened, the moment the boy departed, he began to watch and wondering when and wondering how and wondering if his son would ever come back home. Afar off, the father saw him. And then notice this, the father's compassion ran out before he did. The father saw him from afar off. He had compassion on him. And then he ran to him and fell on his neck. He didn't begin to question him. Where was he? Where's the money? Where's all the livestock? Where's everything that I sent you off with? He didn't question the smell. He didn't question the clothes. He didn't question anything, Brother Looney. He simply ran out to the son who was dead, who he thought was lost and was gone, but yet now is alive. And he comes back and he hugs him with an embrace of true love. And that's what the Father has for you and I. The moment we realize where we are and the decisions that we've made, that we've messed up, and it's okay to admit that we've messed up, but don't stay over there. Arise and know that your heavenly Father is waiting and watching and has compassion that's running out to you and he wants to embrace you with love that is unending. We see the embrace between the two. I want you to notice this. The father didn't tell him to get cleaned up first. Woo! <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? That we can come to God just as I am without one plea. Just as I am. I know I've made some mistakes and I know I've messed up in my life. But God, I'm tired of living this way. And it's time for me to arise and get back to where I once was. It's time for me to get back to the Father's house underneath the Father's provision and his protection. And the moment we begin to make our way there, the Bible says we draw nigh unto him and he draws nigh unto us. Hallelujah. He doesn't say, welcome back, now go get cleaned up. That's not what we see in our Bible, is it? We see the embrace. He falls on him. He hugs him. He kisses him. He just came from the pig pen. If you've been around pigs at all, they stink. They smell, but they sure taste good. Hey, man. But he falls on his neck and he kisses him. He doesn't say, figured you'd be back. About time. Mm. Too many churches welcome people back like that. Too many churches welcome people that mess up and they come back like that. And we wonder why it's so hard for somebody when they mess up in sin and they make a mistake just as you and I can. We can all easily fall into sin and make a bad mistake. One wrong judgment can ruin and wreck our lives. And it's amazing at the churches that when they come back, it's like, yeah, here they come. I knew you'd be back about time. That's not the right type of attitude. That's not the, you look at the older brother in this story. He had that kind of attitude. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
so now he's back and now you're going to kill a, a calf and you guys are going to eat and you're going to be married and you're going to have, wait a minute, I've been here this whole time and you never let me do this with my friends. Like, wait a minute, that's not right. It's not the right type of attitude. We as a church should be like the same way as the father saying, listen, I know you messed up, but I'm glad you're back. But I'm glad you're back. But I'm so glad you're back now. Now let's begin the restoration process. Let's begin the restoring process. Look at the restoring process here and we'll be done. Now in verse 22, the father said to his servants, mind you, he didn't take a shower yet. Mind you, he didn't get cleaned up yet. He said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. I told you that walk back was hard. Put shoes on his feet, which means he didn't have none. That's a rough road to walk back, but he done it. Focusing on the father's house the whole time. And bring forth and bring hither the fatty calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this was, for this was, this my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. I don't know where you are in your life right now. I don't know what sins that you have. I don't know what mistakes that you have made. I don't know what decisions that you have made in your life. I know what I have done and the mistakes that I have made and the decisions that I have made. And I'm so thankful that I serve a loving God who opens up his arms and said, son, I'm glad you're back home. And he begins to clean me up. I'm so glad that God, just like this father in the story, has compassion toward us. Pianist, you'll make your way up to the piano. We're closing. We're done. But where are you at this morning? What is it in your life this morning? What decisions maybe have you made here recently that you thought would take you down for the last time? Mistakes after mistakes after mistakes. It's okay. It's okay. We make mistakes. We are human. There is but one perfect person that ever walked this earth, and his name is Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags. We will make mistakes. I will fail you as a youth pastor. I will fail you as a church member. But let me tell you something. We don't have to live in that failure and that regret and those decisions that we make. We can arise from those if we decide in our heart that we're tired of living like that and we go, I'm going to arise. Father, forgive me for I have sinned and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Hey, man, listen, you too this morning can arise from your situation. The pianist plays softly this morning. Where do you stand? The story's so relatable all the way across the board, parents. Maybe you have a young one, and you're the father or the mother that is looking out. I hope they're all right. I hope they're all right. God help them make the right decisions. That may be you this morning. You may be in the position of the young man. You may be in that position where you're living your life the way you want to, regardless of any input of God. You can care less. You may be some of the servants that are just sitting back and watching everything take place and praying that that wayward son would come back, that that wayward church member would come back. I don't know where you are this morning. Regardless, this story is applicable to every single one of us as a church and as a family, as a father and as a mother and as children. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment. no doubt in my mind that God has had this message planned for someone or, or some people this morning. I don't know who you are and what you've been through, but can I tell you that God does. And God loves you this morning. And He, like the Father, is just waiting for you to take that first step back. That first step of admitting that you've messed up. That confession, I messed up, God. I've messed up. 
I messed up and I don't know where to turn. I made a mistake in my life. I've done that wrong thing. I've said that wrong thing. But God, I come today asking you to forgive me. You may be here this morning and you've never truly experienced the love that God has to offer through His Son, Jesus Christ. See, the gospel is that good news. Maybe you've never experienced that true love, that, that agape love, that sacrificial love. Today can be your day to experience the true love of Jesus Christ. That he loved you so much so that he was willing to lay down his life and take my sins and take your sins upon him. Bear them on the cross of Calvary. Bleed and die for you. But he didn't stay dead on that third day. God raised him from the dead. And he is alive right now. And he is waiting on you to make that first move to come to the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. And that could be your move today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I ask you a question. If you're unsure, if you took your last breath right now, where you would spend eternity. You say, Brother Brandon, I, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure. Oh, but I'd sure like to know. I won't call your name out. But God will know who you are if you're willing to raise your hand. And say, I don't, I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know. I, I'm not 100% sure, Brother Brandon. And I'm willing to raise my hand and give you a testimony right now between God and me and you that I'm unsure of my salvation. I don't know. But you'd be willing to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Is there one? Is God dealing with your heart? Are you 100% sure that you are saved and on your way to heaven? If not, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Amen. We're praying for that little one. How about it this morning? Is God dealing with your heart about a son or a daughter that's, that's ran away from the Father's house? They may not be in gross, immoral sin. They're just not where they once were. They've strayed away from the Father's house. It may be nothing gross and immoral sin, but it's just they got distracted by the lure of the world, by jobs, by whatever it is. Maybe some parents need to make their way to an altar and just pray for them. This morning, would you do business with the Lord? Let's all stand with our head bowed and our eyes closed. Let's all stand to our feet, our eyes closed, our heads bowed. And maybe, maybe God's dealing with you this morning and you need to make that move. I don't know what it is. That's between you and God. Oh, but God wants to help you this morning. Oh, He wants to give you the strength that you need this morning to make it another day. Young person, are you on the verge of making a decision, a life-altering decision like this other young man who took all of his money and spent? Are you on the verge of making some big decisions? School's out now, young people. Freedom is here. But are you on the verge of making the wrong choices in your life? I beg and plead of you, stay close to the Father. Stay close to His protection. God's dealing with your heart about anything. We have altar workers that are here that want to pray with you. If you have a need this morning, make your way. They'd love to take the Bible and just be able to pray with you. If you're watching by way of live stream, there's a number across that bottom. You call in. There are people who are willing to help you. Answer that phone. Take that phone call. Oh, don't let time, don't, don't let the time scare you this morning. There's bigger and more eternal things that are going on right now. Some people that are getting help, they're so desperate to be wanting. Some people's getting help. 
They realize that I can't do it in my, I can't do this on my own. This DIY uh, generation, I can't do it on my own. I need God to help. You may be sitting in your chair still, standing there, waiting on me to get done so we can say amen and leave. But God's not done. He's tugging on your heart and he wants you to make that move. Live streaming wants you to make that call. I don't know who it is. Maybe this message was just for me. And God done a work on my life. And I thank him for it. For opening my eyes to some things that I have been blinded to. It's okay to make mistakes, people. It's okay to make mistakes. But don't stay there. Whatever you do. Oh, it's time for us to arise out of the situations that we put ourselves in. Who is it this morning that's willing to arise? Step out. Come to an old-fashioned altar and plead with God for help. Maybe for somebody else. Maybe you know someone who's gone astray. Nobody else knows their circumstances. Nobody else knows their situations, but you do. You're willing to take them to God on their behalf to pray for them, to encourage them. There's still time. Some are still doing business. You still need to make that move. There's time. We'll sing in just a minute. Oh, just as I am. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm tired of making mistakes and living in the past on those mistakes. You can look up this way. I, I, I'm done and over with living in the past. And I'm ready to use that to fuel my future. The windshield's much bigger to drive through people than the rearview mirror. And it's time for us to leave those mistakes in the past and leave them at the foot of the cross. Give them to God and move on and do big and great things. Because if we're not careful, we'll let those past mistakes and those blunders in life hinder us from fully selling out and giving Him our everything. Because we'll have that little doubt, that little bitterness, that little, that little bit of pride still hanging on from those past decisions. I think it's time we just let go and let God this morning. Just as I am. Let's sing that chorus together. Let's sing this verse together. I want you to sing it with everything you got. Just as I am. Just as I am without one eyes closed just one last stanza as people are finishing up you may have been hanging on till now you may have been watching the live stream until now and now is the breaking point now is your pivotal moment that you can make the decision that you will arise out of the situations that you've gotten yourself into and you'll come back to the father's house Nobody moves, we'll sing one last time and we'll head to the house this morning. Amen. Let's sing this verse one more time, just as I am singing with your heart, singing with everything that you got this morning. Just as I am, just as I am. Sing it from your heart and mean it this morning. 
no plea possess high blood was so much for being here this morning. I know we went a little bit over time and I apologize, but I had a whole bunch more the Lord gave me, but I didn't give it. Amen. <laughs> uh, but I believe God's given out what he needed this morning. Listen, I don't know where you at and you may, everything may be great right now and that's wonderful and we'll rejoice with you, but understand life does throw curveballs and mistakes happen. We mess up. We fall into sin. Just don't stay there. Think back to this story. And say to yourself, I will arise. Amen. You've been great this morning. Thank you so much for your grace this morning and the liberty. I do want to make mention, I failed to mention this earlier, uh, all of our youth, uh, the young adults, all of us that will be going with us to the Arise Youth Conference. Uh, we'll have a quick meeting right out here in the fellowship hall. I just got some handouts I want to give in your hand. Also, any of those that are going with us to the kayaking, uh, canoeing, or tubing trip on July the 2nd, if you're interested at all, I need a head count today. All right. So also make your way back to the fellowship hall. We'll get a quick head count. You guys can go. We'll give some handouts to those that will be going to the Arise Youth Conference. Amen. Look around the room. I know many of many people are sick today. Some people are underneath the weather. Some are on vacation traveling. So look around the room. If you see somebody that's normally here, they're not here, send them a text. Let them know, hey, we missed you. Pray